Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. We stream live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central weekdays at DocWashburnShow.com. Minutes after each live stream is completed, the Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at DocWashburnShow.com. Now, this is the 80th episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Thursday, February 3rd, 2022, and I want to send a big thank you to my friend Donnie Copeland for filling in for me when I was out with the Wu flu. And it's not fun. The China virus, the Wu flu, whatever you want to call it, is not fun. But I'm thankful to have enough strength back to be able to do the show today. Now, coming up in just a minute, who is the most dangerous elected official to your freedom and liberty in the state of Arkansas? And why are there so many people like him in the other 49 states? But first, yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer wouldn't allow me to say that on the radio. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. All right, now, uh, first of all, first of all, we do have some breaking news showing the utter desperation of the campaign to reelect French Hill United States Representative for the 2nd District of Arkansas. He is pulling out all the stops. He is calling out for all the lifelines. So, I want to get to the most dangerous current elected official of the state of Arkansas for your freedom and liberty. Uh, But let me just tell you, When I was still doing local talk radio in Little Rock, Arkansas, I would have people call my show and say, look, I'm uh, not a big fan of uh, former Governor Mike Huckabee, but, boy, I can't wait for her, uh, for his daughter, for Sarah Huckabee Sanders to be governor. And I would always wonder, well, now, what's what's the connection here? Well, she worked for Trump. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, today, Sarah Huckabee Sanders has announced that she is endorsing United States Representative French Hill for re-election. Now, why is this germane to today's topic of conversation? Why is this relevant? Well, French Hill said that Donald Trump, Donald Trump's rhetoric leading up to January 6th, festivities at the U.S. Capitol, unforgivable. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders knows that French Hill said that Donald Trump's rhetoric leading up to January 6, 2021 at the Capitol was unforgivable. So, so much for loyalty, right? So much for loyalty. Sarah is showing her true colors today. You would have thought she would have had a little bit of loyalty to the guy who gave her a job, Donald Trump, but nope, not in the least. 
Instead, she endorses French Hill, who voted for the January 6th Nancy Pelosi commission. French Hill, who said that he was delighted to vote to keep Liz Cheney in House Republican leadership because she's such an outstanding conservative after Liz Cheney voted to impeach Donald Trump. So that's who you got. Now, Sarah is not um, governor yet, and I had no no dog in this hunt. Even when she had a uh, Republican challenger, Leslie Rutledge, I hadn't decided who I was going to vote for. But uh, I think it's fascinating that uh, Sarah took a paycheck for quite a while to be White House press secretary, and now she stabs her old boss, Donald Trump, in the back by endorsing French Hill, who said it was a fantasy and a fallacy that the election was stolen from Donald Trump. That's who you're dealing with. Nobody else in Little Rock is going to talk about this. Trust me, nobody else in Little Rock is going to talk about this. And I get it. I get it. We're a big national show. I get it. 70% of our listeners are from outside Arkansas. But every once in a while, we have... Uh, an issue in Arkansas, which I think is indicative of the way a lot of things are going on in the rest of the country. Every once in a while, we have a story in Arkansas, which I think is a microcosm of what's going on in, in a lot of the country. You know, you got this guy, Dan Crenshaw, who represents a lot of uh, suburban Houston, the Woodlands, Spring, Texas, second district of uh, Texas. And he wants people to think he's a conservative. But if you you talk about the election having been stolen from Donald Trump, he'll mock you. He'll mock you to your face. Because he thinks that, uh, like French Hill in Arkansas, Dan Crenshaw in Texas, he's safe. Nobody can touch him in a primary. Well, French Hill's finding out differently. When he goes to meet with uh, county Republican parties in central Arkansas, he's finding out quite differently. The people are furious with him for stabbing Trump in the back, for stabbing us in the back. I mean, why else? Months before the Republican primary in Arkansas for the 2nd District, does he feel like he needs the uh, endorsement of Sarah Huckabee Sanders? Somebody says, hey, Doc, invite Sarah to come on your show. Yeah, she knows where I am. I'd be happy to come, have her come on the show. That'd be fine. That'd be fine. Sarah wants to come on the show. That'd be fine. French Hill wants to come on the show. That'd be fine. But I tell you who does come on the show, who does come on the show is the guy who actually wants your vote, Colonel Conrad Reynolds. That's who does come on the show. Just so you know. The guy who's not afraid to say, of course, the election was stolen. That's who does come on the show. Now, let me share with you who I believe is the most dangerous current elected official when it comes to your your freedom, your liberty in the state of Arkansas. Now, a, a lot of folks who are paying attention to politics wish whether you live in Arkansas or Texas or Illinois or South Carolina or wherever, wish you had an actual conservative constitutional governor 
like Ron DeSantis in Florida. And I do too. I do too. But something caught my attention before I get to uh, Asa Hutchinson. Something caught my attention. There's a woman who is running for governor. She's running for the Republican nomination in Arizona. Her name is Carrie Lake. And ABC News sent a producer out to try to uh, try to get her in trouble. They sent a producer out to try to do a, what they, they thought was a gotcha question. And Carrie Lake was ready for him. Now, you've probably never heard of this woman. I had never heard of her. But I tell you one thing, we need more governors like Ron DeSantis and we need more governors like Carrie Lake. So before I get to Asa Hutchinson, for all my Arizona listeners, this is Carrie Lake, K-A-R-I, giving it right back to the mainstream media. Do you think Joe Biden is the current president? Well, he's obviously sitting in the White House. Do you think he's the president? I'm asking you, but I'm just wondering, do you think if do you think that if the 2020 election was stolen, is Joe Biden the president? Do you think the election was stolen? See, ABC is sending a producer. They're not sending an re- actual reporter who can think on her feet. I, I have no comment. <laughs> do you think that Joe Biden garnered 81 million votes? Do you think the elections were fair? The problem is that the American people don't have all the answers because the media is part of the problem. The media is not reporting it. Media has never reported our forensic audit fairly. They're not reporting what's happening in Georgia. They're not reporting on these ballot traffickers that are being paid to drop off ballots. Media is doing a huge disservice to this country. And the people aren't getting the full story. But eventually I do think they will. And the media, whose numbers are dropping, dropping like a rock, are going to continue to drop. And pretty soon nobody will be watching because the media has turned their back on the people of America and not been honest. ABC News, CNN, MSNBC spent more than three years lying to the American people, saying that Russia colluded with Donald J. Trump to steal an election in 2016. And they knew that was false. They knew they were peddling lies, and they did nothing to stop it. It was a complete hoax, and it was a lie. And now they're doing the opposite. We have evidence of corruption in our election, and they refuse to cover it. They refuse to be honest with the people of this country. It is disgusting what the media has done. And uh, I think their days are numbered when it comes to uh, surviving all of this. The business, when you're lying to the people and you're in media, it's a bad business model. There you go. Now, that would be an actual conservative constitutional governor. And I hope Carrie Lake gets uh, elected governor of Arizona. That is the exact opposite of what we have in Arkansas. No two ways about it. The exact opposite. So, Asa was on less than a month ago with Jake Tapper. On CNN. And the mainstream media is all on 
Uh, they're all in on the election steal. They lie through their teeth. And most Republicans don't push back. Most Republicans don't push back. They don't care. Republicans like Asa Hutchinson don't care that a majority of voters in Arkansas are willing to acknowledge that, of course, the election was stolen. I mean, look, if Asa Hutchinson cared what his constituents thought, he never would have, for instance, vetoed a bill outlawing castrating minor children, outlawing the sterilization of minor children. He doesn't care. So Jake Tapper, CNN, and Arizona, uh, Arkansas Governor Aza Hutchinson. According to a Washington Post survey, at least 163 Republicans who have embraced the big lie about the election. Again, the big lie is that Biden won. But Jake Tapper will go to his grave defending the big lie that Joe Biden got 81 million votes. And Asa Hutchison is not going to do a thing to push back against the real big lie. Uh, are running for statewide positions throughout the United States. Are you worried at all about individuals who embrace the big lie and support the notion of subverting elections? Are you worried about putting them in positions, being put in positions or elected to positions where they can potentially warp and undermine legitimate election results? In other words, are you worried that Republicans might be allowed to win the White House again? Are you worried that... They might stop us from cheating and stealing the next one. That's what Jake Tapper's saying here. Not sure if Ace is sharp enough to pick up on it. Well, what worries me is that uh, they're not demonstrating leadership. Uh, whenever you're running for office, that's whenever you start about the future and you help educate uh, the uh, voters as to what happened on January 6th and you make this about the future. We're going to. You don't want anybody to know what happened on January 6th, pal. You don't want to know anybody to know the Capitol Hill police. And Washington, D.C. police were attacking peaceful protesters with flashbang grenades, with tear gas. They were beating defenseless women. You don't want anybody to know what happened on January 6th. When I feel comfortable, the GOP, uh, in the short term, uh, we're going to have a good 2022. I'm excited about the elections. Uh, but at the same time, if we want to be a party of strength over the long term, then we've got to not diminish and minimize the consequences of January 6th. And this last week was a time of reflection on that. And over the coming years, it's going to get worse, not better. And so we have to, one, make sure we show that that was unacceptable. Uh, we have to define it in the right way. It was an attempt uh, to stop the peaceful transfer of power. And thirdly, we have to make sure we uh, are clear that uh, President Trump did have some responsibility for that. And beyond that, let's move on. Let's talk about the future. And uh, I think that's how a candidate runs for office. President Trump told People who came to the rally 
to walk over to the Capitol and to protest peacefully. And Aze Hutchinson knows that. But he doesn't want President Trump to have any influence on anything going forward. So he's willing to lie. He's willing to lie. You know, here's another thing. And it's not just Arkansas Governor Aza Hutchinson. But as more and more and more and more comes out about the China virus and about all the lies Fauci told and about all the damage done to our children and our economy. Do you hear a guy like uh, Arkansas Governor Ace Hutchinson calling for accountability for Tony Fauci? No, you don't. No, you absolutely do not. Because he kind of enjoyed being king for a day. He kind of enjoyed being emperor of a state for a few months. Now, he still wants five-year-olds wearing masks and getting vaccinated. Yeah, there's your uh, conservative Republican there. There's your conservative Republican. Yeah, this is messed up, man. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that... um, I'm recovered enough to do the show again. I have a lot to be thankful for. Uh, Not the least of which is the protocol from the frontline doctors that I believe saved my life. Um, Now, guys like Aza Hutchinson will tell you, Ivermectin, that's horse paste. You don't take that horse paste. And they don't have a problem seeing you die. No, they don't have a problem seeing your grandmother's lungs fill up with fluid and die. Anything, anything to keep you from taking that ivermectin, because that's horse paste. You know, I, I want to say thank you to the sponsors of the Doc Washburn Show, the folks that make it possible for us to do this every day. Folks like TurnMyPowerOn.com, folks like Attorney Justin Minton, folks like MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, and folks like RedRiverYourWay.com. Now, if you've tried to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom. The freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, they'll drive it to you, no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. 
Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has an Explore Payment Options button. Clicking that guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options that you have full control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can determine what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, including the freedom to buy online the way you want to. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door, no matter where you live, redriveryourway.com. You'll be glad you did. All right. Now, that having been said, did you realize, did you realize that back on 9-11, 20th anniversary of 9-11, George W. Bush compared January 6th protesters to 9-11, folks. Do you realize that? You know, Chuck Todd asked... Uh, Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson about that on the Meet the Press show a few days later. Yeah, let's uh, let's check this out. Let's check this out. Hey, before I let you go, uh, I'm curious what you thought of uh, what former President Bush said uh, during his speech in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. I know it, it really touched a lot of people. Let me play a clip of it, and I want to get your reaction on the other side. There is little cultural overlap between violent extremists abroad and violent extremists at home. But in their disdainful pluralism, in their disregard for human life, in their determination to defile national symbols, they are children of the same foul spirit, and it is our continuing duty to confront them. Those are some interesting words from the former president. Uh, Do you think... um some um, folks will uh, take his words to heart and start speaking back at these folks that are uh, doing this? Well, I certainly hope so. I thought those were uh, uh, words of wisdom. He went on to say that he didn't have any perfect solution. That's a challenge we face. I think we all have to look in our heart and say, what more can we do? Even coming on this show today, I hesitate to criticize our president, but necessary on principle. But we've got to think of ways that we can diminish harsh rhetoric, bring people more together. I'm glad he raised that issue, and I hope we can be more effective at it. Well, Governor Hutchinson, you've always been somebody you can disagree without being disagreeable. Yeah, we'll just run right over you. Hutchins is saying, I, I hesitate to criticize Biden. And he hesitate to criticize Trump. George W. Bush. Comparing the January 6th Capitol protesters to Islamic terrorists. As Hutchins says, said, those are words of wisdom. Anybody uh, in Arkansas? 
elected leaders or people running for office criticize Bush or Hutchinson on that? Nope. If they did, I missed them. If they did, I missed them. Nope. But what we do have what we do have again is a United States congressman named French Hill who represents central Arkansas who said that President Trump's rhetoric leading up to January 6th was unforgivable. He also said it's a fallacy and a fantasy that the election was stolen. And now we have Donald Trump's former press secretary, the person that Donald Trump suggested run for governor of Arkansas, coming out and endorsing French Hill, the guy that put the knife in Donald Trump's back. The guy who talked about how thrilled he was to vote to keep Liz Cheney in House Republican leadership because she's such an outstanding conservative, even after she voted to impeach Donald Trump. So, you know, when people told me, oh, you know, I'm not crazy about Mike Huckabee, but I can't wait for Sarah to be governor. I said, oh, okay, well, well, why is that? You know, I wasn't here when Mike Huckabee was, was, was governor. Well, because, you know, she worked for Trump. Oh. Oh, I see. I see. Okay, well, we'll see how that works out. We'll see how that works out. And now we've seen Sarah Huckabee Sanders endorses French Hill, someone who voted with Pelosi and Liz Cheney for a January 6th commission, someone who insists the election was not stolen, someone who voted for a vaccination tracking database so the feds can keep track of our vaccination status. That's a shame. But again, it's not just Arkansas, like I pointed out. These kinds of people are all over the country. All over the country. Even Ted Cruz himself recently called what happened January 6, 2021 at the Capitol a violent terrorist incident. Oh, I'm sorry, a violent terrorist attack. And the next night, he goes in with Tucker Carlson and backtracks and apologizes. Well, that was sloppy wording. I shouldn't have said it that way. And Tucker's like, yeah, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I mean, there's just, there's no way. There's no way. Be careful who you vote for. 
Be careful who you support. I had somebody uh, sent me a, a message on the uh, the Podbean app, who said, "Oh, there's a, there's a guy running for governor as an independent." Yeah, I don't know anything about him. I don't know a thing about him. Sorry. I got to have more than a name. Let me give you the. Uh, let me give you the latest from from the great Julie Kelly over at American Greatness. And uh, she's phenomenal. I want to share with you you her latest that came out while I was out. First, let me just, as long as we're talking about government corruption, are you like most Americans? Did Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co-pays keep you from going to the doctor if you answered yes to any of those questions? It's a website you need to go to. It's called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. When you go to MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, you see the big, bold letters, Affordable Plans. Say 30 to 50% on premiums. Personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no copays. And then you see the little red button that says schedule call now. When you click on that button, you get a free consultation with my friend Art Wilborn, who will make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Not only no gaps in your coverage, but he won't saddle you with one of those Obamacare-like plans where you wind up having to cover abortion or something else that would uh, that would deeply conflict with your deeply held religious beliefs. MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, affordable plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. Just click schedule call now. Book a free consultation with my friend Art Wilborn. Save money on your insurance at myfamilyhealthplan.com, and you'll be glad you did. All right. A couple of days ago, Julie Kelly's latest article dropped at American Greatness entitled Justice Department Continues to Go Easy on 2020 Rioters. You hear Aza Hutchinson complain about that? You hear French Hill complain about that? You hear Sarah Huckabee Sanders complain about that? Nope. Nope. Here's what it says. 
no matter how much the Biden regime and news media want Americans to forget what happened during the so-called social justice protests of 2020, the public remembers. A poll taken last summer shows overwhelming support for investigations into the nationwide looting and rioting following the death of George Floyd, which caused an estimated $2 billion with a B dollars in damages and cost dozens of lives. According to an analysis by a coalition of police chiefs, at least 8,700 protests occurred across 68 major cities and 574 involved acts of violence in just a two-month span of 2020. There's absolutely no comparison between the violence that terrorized the country throughout 2020 and the four-hour disturbance at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. Any Democrat or Republican who equates the two events should be tossed out of office. Here's looking at you, Governor Chris Sununu. He's, uh, what, uh, New Hampshire, right, Sununu? Pretty sure. Anyway. And while top law enforcement officials fixate on the so-called insurrection, they continue to downplay the murder and mayhem of 2020. During a recent Senate Judiciary Committee hearing, Jill Sanborn, assistant director of the FBI's national security breach, struggled to answer how many people face federal charges related to the 2020 riots. Sanborn admitted that the FBI has arrested just north of 250 people in connection with the, quote, violence that we all saw around the peaceful protests, unquote. The violence that we all saw around the peaceful protests is the way she put it. Sanborn's colleague, Assistant Attorney General Matthew Olson, had an easier time detailing the number of arrests in the department's sweeping capital breach probe. More than 700 January 6th protesters have been arrested so far, Olson told the committee, and 325 face felony charges. The total number of defendants now is more than 725 as the FBI arrests more January 6th protesters every week. So here's what that means. Nearly three times as many Americans have been arrested for federal crimes in connection with January 6th than the number arrested for perpetrating the far more violent, deadly, and costly riots that lasted nearly four months, not four hours, in 2020. Pardon me. Sanborn also wouldn't tell Senator Mike Lee, Republican Utah, how many 2020 rioters were subjected to military-style FBI raids or solitary confinement conditions in prison awaiting trial, the fate of hundreds of January 6th protesters. The answer, as Sanborn surely knows, is None. 
What Sanborn and Olson also don't want to admit in public is that the Justice Department is actively dropping cases against 2020 rioters. Prosecutors continue to dismiss charges against Portland rioters. In December, the U.S. attorney in Portland asked a court to dismiss an indictment against a transgender rioter accused of using a high-powered laser against multiple police officers during Antifa's 100-night siege of the city of Portland. Nearly all rioting charges against protesters who occupied Lafayette Square, Washington, D.C., across from the White House in 2020, which prompted the lockdown of the nearby White House and included attacks on law enforcement, Nearly all those rioting charges have been dropped by the same U.S. Attorney's Office in D.C., now prosecuting January 6th trespassers. Last July, prosecutors dismissed charges against a Black Lives, Prote- Black Lives Matter protester indicted by a grand jury for attacking federal officers in Lafayette Square in June 2020. Now the Justice Department is asking for leniency for the few 2020 rioters actually facing federal charges. Take, for example, the case of Montez Lee Jr. On May 28, 2020, Montez Lee Jr., a Black Lives Matter protester, broke into Maxit Pawn Shop in Minneapolis, poured gasoline throughout the store, and set it on fire. A few days later, the mother of Oscar Stewart contacted law enforcement to report her son missing. Stewart's abandoned car was parked next to the pawn shop. It took authorities several weeks to identify the charred remains of Stewart, another black man found inside the pawn shop. The Hennepin County, Minnesota coroner ruled Oscar Stewart's death a homicide. It's unclear if Stewart was a fellow rioter or an employee. Justice Department prosecutors, however, did not agree with that conclusion. So Montez Lee Jr. was charged with arson, not murder. And despite a lengthy criminal record, including assault and burglary, the federal government offered Montez Lee Jr. a deal to plead guilty to one count of arson, which he accepted in July. Based on sentencing guidelines, the Justice Department calculated that the judge could sentence Lee to up to 240 months in prison But a federal prosecutor asked the court to slice nearly eight years off his jail time. Why? Well, because Montez Lee Jr. until, uh, pardon me, because Montez Lee Jr., unlike the government's view of January 6th defendants, was engaged in a political protest those now in charge deem commendable. Assistant U.S. Attorney Thomas Calhoun Lopez wrote in November, And I quote, Lee credibly states that he was in the streets to protest unlawful police violence against black men, and there's no basis to disbelieve this statement. There appear to be, there appear to have been many people in those days looking only to exploit the chaos and disorder in the interests of personal gain or random violence. There appear also to have been many people who felt angry, frustrated, and disenfranchised and who were attempting, in many cases, in an unacceptably reckless and dangerous manner 
to give voice to those feelings, Mr. Lee appears to be squarely in this latter category. So U.S. Attorney Thomas Calhoun Lopez further argued against the judge considering deterrence in Lee's case since, quote, the events of late May of 2020 were informed by forces that have been present in this country since its inception, unquote. Therefore, the U.S. government concluded that Montez Lee Jr. should be sentenced to 144 months in prison rather than 240 months. But even that sentence was too long for Judge Wilhelmina Wright, a Minnesota District Court judge appointed by Barack Obama in 2016. Ms. Wright, now a leading candidate to replace Judge Stephen Breyer on the Supreme Court, instead sentenced Montez Lee Jr. to just 120 months in prison. She told Lee in court on January 14th, you are more than the person that destroyed that business by fire. You are more than the person who set that fire that killed a man, unquote. Federal prosecutors and judges have no similar sympathies for January 6th protesters. Well, I might add, neither do a lot of Republican politicians. Julie Kelly says, to the contrary, the Justice Department, a D.C. District Court judge, considered Americans charged with low-level misdemeanors on January 6, 2021, to be domestic terrorists. For example, Jacob Chansley, the so-called QAnon shaman, pleaded guilty to one count of obstruction last summer after spending 317 days in solitary confinement. Chansley committed no violent crime on January 6th. In fact, he was allowed into the building and chatted with police and is a veteran with no criminal record. But the very same Justice Department who wanted mercy for Montez Lee Jr., who burned down a building with someone inside it, asked the federal judge to sentence Jacob Chansley to 51 months in prison. Furthermore, unlike in Montez Lee Jr.'s case, prosecutors wanted the judge to throw the book at Chansley as a deterrence measure. Assistant U.S. Attorney Kimberly Paschal wrote, the very same month her colleagues in Minnesota argued against deterrence in Montez Lee Jr.'s case, she wrote this, and I quote, the need to deter others is especially strong in cases involving domestic terrorism, which the breach of the Capitol certainly was. The demands of general deterrence weigh strongly in favor of incarceration as they will for nearly every case arising out of the violent riot at the Capitol, unquote. I got that, America? A four-hour chaotic disturbance likely instigated and or encouraged by government agencies is an act of domestic terror, but months of destruction, murder, looting, arson, and vicious attacks on police, business owners, and innocent citizens is merely the language of the unheard as the Justice Department claimed in Montez Lee Jr.'s case. Biden's prosecutors may be fooling themselves, and federal judges auditioning for a promotion, but they're not fooling the majority of Americans. What happened throughout 2020 was unequivocally an act of domestic terrorism, a crime for which 
the Justice Department is wholly uninterested in fairly prosecuting. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? It's outrageous. It is absolutely outrageous. Um, now, I've got some breaking news for you about how many American citizens were actually were actually left in Afghanistan. And you better grab a hold of something. That's coming up in just a minute. First, I want to share with you the best-kept secret in American health care. And it always... hurts my heart when I see people on television who obviously haven't heard about it. People on television who are all slumped over when they're talking. People on television who might have a lot of money, but they have to lean way over to the left or way over to the right while they're talking because that's the only way they feel comfortable or the way they feel most comfortable. You ever feel yourself doing that? If you do, you probably don't realize it because you've been doing it so long that it seems normal and you don't think about it. All right, do me a favor. Do you have migraines? Do you have neck pain? Do you have back pain? Do you have vertigo? Okay, now look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Do your eyes... Look like they're off balance. Are your shoulders off balance? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines and my neck pain. Let me tell you how it works. Because this is the best kept secret in American healthcare. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs two ounces, so it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It could affect your respiratory system, your reproductive system, your digestive system, and yes, it can cause migraines and neck pain. Do yourself a favor. If you're in central Arkansas... Call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center at 501-279-2009 for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted. Now, if you are anywhere else in America, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor to see if you can find a doctor close to wherever you are who does what they do. TurnMyPowerOn.com. 
you'll be glad you did. By the way, um, for our listeners in central Arkansas, um, folks at the Arkansas Cervical Center will be having a get-together on Monday, Valentine's Day. And I plan to be there after the show that afternoon. So it'll be good to see some folks that that we haven't seen in a long time. So plan on joining us at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 607 East Race Avenue in Searcy. I appreciate that. So how many how many American citizens did the Biden administration really leave behind in Afghanistan when we pulled out? According to a report released today by the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, as many as 9,000 American citizens were left in Afghanistan when the U.S. military withdrew from the country August 31st. In public statements, Biden administration officials, including Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, claimed that only 100 to 150 Americans remained in Afghanistan and had contacted the U.S. government with a desire to leave. The State Department and Defense Department officials stuck to that number, even as the government publicly admitted that large numbers of American citizens were still leaving the country. So this new report from the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, signed by Foreign Relations Ranking Member Jim Risch, U.S. Center of Idaho, reveals that State Department officials believed that between 10,000 and 15,000 Americans were in Afghanistan as late as August 17th. In the next two weeks, only 6,000 Americans were able to escape the country ahead of the Taliban takeover. In testimony in front of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, however, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken claimed approximately 100 to 150 remained in Afghanistan who still wished to depart. Estimating the number of Americans residing or visiting a country like Afghanistan is 50% art and 50% science and educated guesswork, according to staffers of the former Kabul embassy. Since Americans are encouraged but not required to register with the State Department when they enter a country. Staffers noted that host countries are generally able to provide better estimates than the embassy, but that Afghanistan was not capable of doing so. 
Officials like Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and U.S. Central Command leader Marine Corps General Kenneth McKenzie frequently qualify their statements about the number of Americans remaining in country by saying that they were in contact with smaller numbers who, quote, want to leave, unquote. Oh, I see. Contributing the failure, contributing to the failure, I guess that's a typo. Contributing to the failure was the Biden administration's lack of preparation for the execution of the withdrawal. National security officials were still working to formulate a withdrawal plan a day before Kabul fell to the Taliban, despite the fact that Biden announced that American forces would withdraw from Afghanistan four months before the collapse of the U.S. allied government. They had plenty of time. The National Security Council failed to coordinate withdrawal operations between the state and defense departments, and rapid troop withdrawals exacerbated the failed evacuation process, according to the report. After Kabul fell to the Taliban, the Biden administration was still slow to organize contingency responses for withdrawal. The Transportation Department waited five days to issue an order allowing foreign airlines to deliver evacuees to American airports and seven days to activate the Civil Reserve Aircraft Fleet. That's a private airline fleet that can aid the U.S. military in a crisis but was barely used and did did little to impact evacuation operations. Government officials had warned as early as 2007 the plans for withdrawal from unsafe and hostile nations would need a significant overhaul, particularly the reporting requirements for American citizens in those countries. A key factor in those plans is the reliance on the host government in providing an accurate number of Americans in need of evacuation. This issue has not been corrected across four presidential administrations. The report, the report from the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, from the ranking member, U.S. Senator Jim Risch of Idaho, the report notes the lack of host nation accounting for Americans is likely not unique to Afghanistan and will be a persistent feature in countries with weak central governments and inefficient accounting systems. It's exactly these countries that are most prone to rapid onsets of instability requiring the evacuation of Americans. Despite these logistical failures, as well as the death of 13 American service members in an ISIS-K terrorist attack, the Biden administration has claimed its withdrawal efforts a success. In a speech marking the final withdrawal of American forces and embassy officials, J. 
Joe Biden said, and I quote, we completed one of the biggest airlifts in history with more than 120,000 people evacuated to safety. That number is more than double what most experts thought was possible. No nation has ever done anything like it in all history. The bottom line, 90% of Americans in Afghanistan who wanted to leave were able to leave, unquote. I wonder if he said at any point in that speech, I give you my word as a Biden, because he likes doing that. He likes saying, I give you my word as a Biden. But uh, I don't, uh, just between you and me, I don't think that. I don't think that word is worth much, do you? No. I don't think that word is much worth much at all. Again, look, it's just like Jen Psaki, White House press secretary, uh, mocking the idea that Democrats are soft on crime, mocking crime victims. They get paid to lie. They get paid to lie. Just so you know. And you know what? There are painfully few Republicans who uh, have any interest in holding them accountable. Uh, holding them accountable. Nope. Uh, have you heard um, U.S. Representative? French Hill of Arkansas saying anything about the fact that uh, we left thousands, thousands of Americans in Afghanistan. I wonder if he'll say anything. I want to introduce a new uh, sponsor to the Doc Washburn show. It's a friend of mine named Justin Minton. M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton in Benton, Arkansas. Justin's a former insurance adjuster who left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer, founded the Minton Law Firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations. He sure helped me out when I was in two automobile accidents in 2019, and now he's helping me out with one I was in in late 2021. The Minton Law Firm has a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and the 2016 Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year. Insurance companies take Justin Minton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. So whether you want to go to trial or settle out of court, it's a good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin Minton's team aims to bring justice to clients who have been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury, Justin Minton makes sure the Minton Law Firm always works hard for you. So if you're in Arkansas, whether you're in a car wreck, hurt on the job, or you or a loved one is suffering from, from the carelessness of another, Justin Minton Law is here to help you. Just call the Minton Law Firm, 501-943-943. 4195 or visit justinmintonlaw.com today. All right. Much appreciation for that. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, 
Man, there is so much. No, I'm just trying to catch up, man. I'm just trying to catch up. Got a lot of catching up to do, you know. Been out for quite a while. And uh, I'm so delighted to be back. I'm so thankful that God has brought me through this whole thing. There's a protocol in a website called COVID19criticalcare.com. COVID19criticalcare.com. And you go in that, uh, you click on their protocol drop-down box. And you scroll down and click on the American flag. And it tells you about the, uh, tells you about the ivermectin. And it tells you about the zinc. And it tells you about the vitamin D and the vitamin C and the turmeric and a bunch of other stuff you ought to take. Nose drops of a particular kind of iodine, gargling a particular kind of iodine. Good stuff. Good stuff. Now, this is interesting. This is fascinating. And I think it's about that time of day again. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. All right, Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Big old car dealership in the middle of the United States that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online and have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States. All right, today's Tweet of the Day is a response to Sarah Huckabee Sanders endorsing her good friend, Rhino U.S. Representative French Hill, for re-election. And this response is phenomenal. The response to Sarah Huckabee Sanders is, do you even know Arkansans at all? French Hill's Republican opponent, Colonel Conrad Reynolds, has been endorsed by gun owners of Arkansas. Many Republicans in our state legislature failed to really fight against medical tyranny. They need to be primaried. Also, you should have endorsed Jan Morgan over John Bozeman for senator. Woo-hoo! Your advisors are making bad picks, Sarah. Hill is more in step with never-Trumpers such as Liz Cheney and Mitt Romney than he is with the voters of the 2nd District. He sure is. He sure is. That's our Tweet of the Day. Thank you so much to Red River Your Way for sponsoring our Tweet of the Day each day. Red River Your Way, the car dealership that believes in freedom including your freedom 
to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice and have it have it delivered to you anywhere in the continental United States of America. What's this, Greg Kelly? Greg Kelly over Newsmax says Fox News sabotaged Trump. They colluded with a Biden campaign when they allegedly confirmed that bogus story about Trump in the cemetery. Remember that one? The mainstream media was saying Trump didn't understand why people would risk their lives for this country in the military. It turned out it wasn't true. It turned out even people like John Bolton, who hated Trump, were there with him and said, look, if he'd said something like that, I would have said something. Fox News confirmed it, though. Another phony that helped Biden. Another phony story. Greg Kelly says the D.C. Bureau of Fox News always cares more about their status in the swamp than they do about the country. That's one of the reasons I uh, respect and admire Greg Kelly over at Newsmax. All right, now what is this? Jay Bhattacharya, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, professor, Stanford School of Medicine, health policy, infectious diseases, COVID, health economics, scientific freedom. He's out there saying the Fauci Francis Collins playbook, Collins was Fauci's boss, head of the NIH, to create a false impression of scientific consensus on COVID policy used on the lab leak, the lockdowns, the early treatment. It, it, it goes something like this. Number one, call scientists who disagree with you fringe. Number two, deploy big tech misinformation hordes to suppress opposing thoughts. Number three, deploy press propagandists and scientist allies to smear and take down opponents. And number four, reward your allies with large grants. See, Fauci's in charge of the money. Fauci's in charge of the money. Know what I'm saying? So, now that Scott Gottlieb, former FDA commissioner in charge of regulating Pfizer, and now on the board of directors of Pfizer, now that he's even saying that maybe it's time for school children to stop wearing masks, where does Governor Ron DeSantis go to get his apology from the mainstream media saying that he is... uh, saying that he is irresponsible. The whole thing's going to fall apart. I'm here to tell you, the whole thing is going to fall apart. So, So much I wish I could get to today, 
my voice is not 100% yet, uh, but I hope that it will be soon. I hope that it will be soon. And I appreciate, again, my, my good friend Donnie Copeland for filling in for me while I was unable, unable to do this. Uh, that was quite a blessing. And I'll always remember you that for that. Uh, Donnie, appreciate that very much. All right, having said that, <clears throat> pardon me. You've been listening to the 80th episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X. And that's the way it is. Thursday, February 3rd, 2022.